Because I can control the weather, they call me Storm. Welcome to this year in Nerd News, your one-stop shop for all the pop culture you may have missed this year. Brought to you by the Black Nerd Problems Broadcasting Network. I'm your host, Katie Dwee Cleveland. I'm your host, Victoria Routine. And it's no surprise, but I'm your host, Kel Snyder. It's always a surprise to have you on, Mikael. When we're all together, it's always a wonderful feeling, you know? But if you couldn't tell out there, this is a very special episode of This Week in Nerd News, entitled This Year in Nerd News, because at that time of year where... A lot of stuff has happened in the past 365 days or so. It's time to look back on and reflect. And also at the time of the year where, like, everyone's thinking about taking time off and not working. So we're most definitely recording this episode and the next episode at once. Just to get that out of the way for the holiday season and everything. But just to get an idea, if you've, if you've been following us since last year around this time, we'd like to take some time to look back on what happened in the previous year that we really appreciate and our favorite things from that time period. And also things for the year coming ahead of us. And that'll be our next episode of this podcast. But for now, we're going to go ahead and dive into each of us having three of our favorite things in the nerdosphere that happened in 2021 that we'd like to share with you. And I guess I'll start us off. I am starting off with the most recent thing, and this is not recency bias because it's objective truth. I love Spider-Man No Way Home. And don't worry, folks, don't need to click ahead. No spoilers here. I know the movie just dropped, came out, and while like most of you have probably seen it, I still know there are a lot of people that can't because they're just busy. Like, I'm guessing Victoria may not have seen it yet, and like Jordan, I don't know if our editor, don't know if he has or not. So I'll be cautious with that. But just like general higher level overview things about this movie, I said this in our Discord too, actually. Like, this is the most comic bookish I've ever seen a live action movie be. And that's for better or worse. But, like, still, like, it was like so many notes to like comic book style writing and story development and everything that I loved to appreciate there. And some that, like, I kind of hit ran up against. I was like, that, all right, I'll take, I'm, I'm, I'm vibe with it. It's fine. Um, let me see. This is also the second best Spider Man movie I've ever seen. And I also just bought the bundle of all of them so I can speak to that pretty, like, with authority. But the reason I say second one is because Spider-Man to the Spider-Verse is perfect in all shapes and forms, and you can't really touch that. And lastly, I just can't wait to watch this movie over and over and over again whenever it hits a respective streaming service. I'm assuming Disney Plus at some point in time, because there is so much packed into this that I'd appreciate that I'm going to probably watch it like five times and still catch new things. So that's got my general higher overview notes on Spider-Man No Way Home. I'm sure Michaela Victoria will have more after this. Moving on, we have Far Sector by N.K. Jemison and Jamal Campbell. Far Sector, for those who don't know, is a Green Lantern comic book series that was written by N.K. Jemison, who is famous as being a writer of many things, but for me personally, what resonates the most is the Broken Earth trilogy, which I've talked about on this podcast at length many times, in that sci-fi space. And this is her taking a step into comics when the series first came out in 2019 in November, but because of the pandemic delays and everything that hit the entire comic book industry, the book didn't actually wrap up until earlier this year. So, NK, um, so Far Sector is a Green Lantern story, pretty much, about a newly brought in Green Lantern named Joe, um, Joe, Joe Mullen. Actually, I still don't remember the name out loud. I think it's Mullen. Um, Joe Mullen, who is a black woman that looks a lot like some say Janelle Monet. You could just say any black woman that you know, honestly. Like, this, I, there are a lot of, I can think of three from my personal life who look a lot like Joe. And it's interesting because, as Black Nerd Problems co founder Omar Holman said in the book Black Nerd Problems Essays, he had a whole chapter about like Green Lanterns and how they're like actually not used as propaganda despite the international police force. And Joe in Far Sector was exactly that for a lot of sense purposes and everything. Because you had like some really cool cyberpunk aspects, kind of meets like anti-copaganda with like it's more just about like 
doing the right thing because the whole series is about her like going to some far off alien planet in the far sector of space, right? And um, and lastly, for this year, the third thing that I look back on with a whole lot of just joy is actually The Harder They Fall. That Western movie that came out on Netflix a couple months ago that had everyone from Idris Elba, Regina King, Lakeith Stanfield, Jonathan Majors, um, Zazie Beetz in as well, and a bunch of other people. It was just full of people, right? And the reason why I love this movie for outside of that is, for some reason black western content is like right in that sweet spot for me like and there's not a lot of it out there but like if there is i've loved it that's going from like django unchained the movie to the django slash zoro comic book they ran like six years ago that i still love dearly where they talked about their stories and everything there was a movie called posse that came out in the early 90s directed by marty van peebles which is the first time i found out that like actually a good chunk of cowboys and like the historically accurate time of westerns were black because like that just makes sense and they just kept that part out of history and you know what i'm gonna take a hot take here there are parts of wild wild west that i actually appreciate the movie itself is a mess and like other things that i can't say on this family friendly podcast i'm aware of but like i still appreciate part of that because it hits that like it gets it scratches that black western itch that i constantly have right um i also love the fact that like while it's completely fictitious, it's also it includes some histor- history in it because a lot of the characters in that film are based on actual black people who existed in the Wild West at that time. One of my favorite being Baz Reeves, who, for those, if you, you don't know that, Baz Reeves was actually a man who existed and worked primarily in Oklahoma Territory back before it was a state and was a black man and that was the inspiration for The Lone Ranger, which you would not have guessed if somebody didn't tell you that, right? And lastly, like, this is with this movie just further drove home for me how much of a Jonathan Majors fan I've grown into in the past like year and a half because like of course like everyone is doing their work whether people see it or not and everything and they deserve all the success that they have but like I feel like I wasn't aware of that much of Jonathan Majors like two years ago and all of a sudden now he's become one of our favorite actors like overnight when it comes to like his appearance in Loki and it comes to this and like also like just he's been a lot of things this past year he's on a run right now so that's one of the other things I love about the heart of they fall and with that, I'm going ahead. That's my turn. And I'm going to see if Victoria McCall have any thoughts on these. Oh, sorry for Loki spoilers if you did not know that Jonathan Majors made an appearance in that series. I mean, there's no context around it. Okay. Shows up. Exists. But does he exist? Because it's Loki, so maybe he doesn't actually exist. I'll, I'll, I'll respond first um, with the fact that, like, it was totally <laughs> recency bias that put Spider-Man on this list. Um I, I enjoyed it, and I agree that it was the most comic book movie to ever comic book, which is an impressive statement given how many comic book movies that comic book exist. But I think it airs on a little on the worst side. Um, It's fun. It's a lot of fun. I can't say it's a good movie. Wait, I'm, 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 I was speechless for a second. Oh, I had oh, a lot of fun, but all of the qualms that I have about this movie have to be taken on on a spoiler note, so we will, we will discuss during the intermission of that. Yeah, we'll get into that later. It's going to be a fight. Okay, so my question, though, is, it's yes. like, so I haven't seen it, but also there are just some movies that I just, like, like, I expect them to be a certain thing, like, like that movie that's supposed to come out from, like, the Chili Peppers or whatever, right? Like, it's going to be, it's just going to be a thing. <laughs> I feel like I remember being a teenager and having the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man series come out. Is it 
Is it really any different than that, just for a different generation? That's a complicated question for a lot of complicated yes. reasons. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I'm just going to say it's Never very This is the Spider-Man we always wanted. I'm just going to say I, that. I had a great time. I had a great time. I have a lot of a lot of things to say about about like the structure and things that happened in the in the movie. I didn't say it's perfect. I said Into the Spider-Verse <laughs> yes, was perfect. Yes, Into the Spider-Verse is in fact perfect. I also think recency bias does play a little bit of a role. All right, so there's drums around Spider-Man. How do you feel about Far Sector and The Harder They Fall, Mako? Okay, so Far Sector, I agree, very good. Did not realize it only ended this year. Time is fake. Uh, I have a backlog of comics that are piling up, and that's great. Was The Harder They Fall good? Because, like, everyone was very hyped about it, and then I heard no one talk about it after it came out. Sir, I mentioned in the same sentence as Wild Wild West. <laughs> I mean, the, the bar is kind of on the ground here. But I will say, like, it's a very fun movie with, like, moments that are like, oh, okay. But, like, if you're, like, if you go in with, like, average expectations, I think you'll be satisfied. Okay. Or maybe even surprised and enjoy yourself. No, no, you, you're, you're right. You did you did clarify that it was being compared to <laughs> Wild Wild West, which... And Posse, which is a movie most people have not heard of. That is accurate, because I have no idea what you're talking about. Um, so... <laughs> That's what I got. Uh, we'll talk about Spider-Man in about like 20 minutes off book. Uh, no recording. No cameras. Uh, just words. Yeah, I, I'm going to get my rebuttal ready for that. Ooh, all right. Um, I am... Keith is correct. <laughs> I have no time. So I don't know anything about any of these things. I know that they exist. And I know that they are on my list of things to do. Can I say that they are high up on my list of things to do? No. But that's just because there's so many things on that list. There's too much content. Um, There's just too much content. There's so much content. I think of the three of these, the one that I am probably the most excited for is Far Sector. Um, I could definitely... I'm not particularly a DC person, but I could see myself getting into this series. So I'm excited. I love N.K. Jemisin. So I'm excited about that. The thing that I think I will actually get to first is The Harder They Fall because it's on the streaming service. So and it's also only takes know. like two hours to watch. Yeah. Um, I do think, going back to like, is it a good movie, right? I think that, you know, Keith, Keith put this in black westerns. And so, like, what? How, how do we assess those, right? They're not white westerns, so you can't be like, is this a good western quote-unquote movie? Because westerns generally are pretty problematic for people of color. And it's not the kind of, like, typical black media that we consume. So I think that it's really hard to judge and really, therefore, hard to do a black Western movie. So I'm excited for it. You're right. It has an amazing lineup. All of the um, people involved in it were really excited and passionate about it, which makes me think that at least their performances are going to be good, regardless of anything else. So, uh, yeah. That's that's how I feel about Keith's stuffs. Maybe I will have time in 2022. That's a lie, and you know it. Fingers crossed. No, no. What is time? We don't have enough of it. <laughs> and on that note, we should we should keep moving and grooving with these list of things that we have to go off of. So um, do it. 
I'm cheating for my first one because I just listed mm-hmm. HBO Max's animation catalog <laughs> because there was just lots of good stuff there. <laughs> look, look, listen, listen. HBO Max sort of like crash landed into the streaming wars at like the end of 2020 and it had this great catalog that inexplicably rotated content out even though they owned the content and it makes no sense to them to remove it and then put it back and then remove it and then put it back. So like, just, that's weird. It's weird. But the animation that they have provided has just been an incredible caliber and quality that is just a great lineup of things. We saw season four of Infinity Train, which was also the final season of Infinity Train, which makes me sad because it was really good. Uh, We got the third season of Final Space, which was originally in Cartoon Network slash Adult Swim. Uh, Young Justice Phantoms, the season four of Young Justice. It's making a comeback from the third season. You got seasons of Craig of the Creek, which are there, and then you have a bunch of dubbed anime from the Crunchyroll collection including To Your Eternity, Tokyo Avengers, Shokake no Soma, Colloquially known as Food Wars, which we can't really talk about more of it than it exists, <laughs> as I've been told not to. Um, and yeah, there's just a deep catalog and like specifically if you're like into animation, they have a bunch of stuff there that is really good, really enjoyable. And a bunch of like Cartoon Network stuff as well. So lots of stuff to love, lots of good content in the coffers. Uh, something not in the HBO Max catalog, but on Funimation currently, is Vivi Florent's Ice Song, which is a word salad of a title for sure. But it's also like my favorite anime that I've seen all year, and maybe like in recent memory too. And like, there's a lot of good anime. But Spring 2021 brought us this uh, single cur of a robot that was tasked to stop the AI uprising. And, like, the the thing is, is that she's a singing robot, so, like, the robot that gets sent back to the past to recruit her, she's sort of like, we need your help to save the world, and she's sort of like, I'm supposed to sing and make everyone happy, and sort of like, but you also need to save the world. I know it's weird, it is, but it's also fantastic. It covers a 100-year span in 13 episodes, it's a very compact storytelling and character building, there's lots of good stuff, lots of beautiful animation, and what remains to be like the best fight scene of 2021 just randomly in this anime about a singing robot it's just this wonderful fight scene that goes on for like two and a half minutes with like the best musical scoring ever makes no sense this is the world we live in it's fine um and then finally uh the thing that i do want to give a spotlight on is shang chi and the legend of the ten rings uh, thanks to the vaccine, I felt comfortable going to the theater on the very rare occasion, and while I didn't see Eternals, I did make it a point to support Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings. Uh, Simu Liu did an absolutely phenomenal job bringing the character to life, and Destin Daniel Cretan directed a wonderful homage to martial arts films, and made a grand entrance for one of the first big-screen Asian-American superheroes. It's great. Uh, final act leaves a little to be desired, but the bus scene in the beginning remains one of my favorite sequences, and there was a clear reason it broke a whole bunch of Labor Day weekend records. Uh, yeah, it's great. It's fun. These were the things that I wanted to highlight this year. I appreciate this semi-cheat code in the beginning because I agree. Uh, HBO Max's animation catalog is legit. I particularly... I'm an old school Cartoon Network fan, so the fact that they have all of the Cartoon Network shows and some cartoon, well, not some Cartoon Network, but 
I guess some of the shows from new Cartoon Network that I wouldn't have sought out or even looked at because I am theoretically an adult, um, but like Craig of the Creek, right, which is absolutely amazing, and I don't have cable, would not have watched it if it wasn't on HBO Max, so I think that is awesome. Uh, I have no idea about this sleeper hit anime, but I well, am excited do. about it. Now, now I know. Yeah. Now I know. I also imagine that Victoria hasn't had a chance to see a movie. <laughs> uh, so I haven't <laughs> seen Shang-Chi. But what I will say is that one of the things that I love about the kind of promotion tours that happen now, especially on YouTube, is that there's always... I don't know if it... It's not just a Marvel thing. I've seen it happen for other movies. But Marvel movies especially, all of the heroes have a YouTube video where they play with puppies while they answer questions. <laughs> and that has Buzzfeed, been an amazing part of my 2021, is just watching people <laughs> play with puppies. And I am down That's for that. That's good energy. Yeah. And it's I'm excited that they are getting another uh, number two, another movie. So... Proper, proper yes, Same director, too. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. All right, so taking us here from the top with HBO's animation. Like, I, I think HBO, people give HBO Max as an app some flack because great content there, but navigating the app sometimes can be very frustrating for a variety of reasons. But the content is there. Like, Warner Brothers has all the things, and you can tell for this list, and Mikhail listed here. Um, with Young Justice, I have not gotten to Phantoms yet because, like I said last night during our stream of game night, which, by the way, follow Black Nerd Problems on Twitch if you can. We have a lot of fun there. I talked about how, like, I'm not catching up on Young Justice because once I got to, like, season three, got to, I had a moment I'm like, I don't know these people. I don't, I'm not that invested. I'll get this when I can. And it's been, like, two years since then. So I figured, like, all right, season four looks fun. My people seem to be coming back. So let me just steam, like, steam straight ahead towards that. Um, as far as Affinity Train goes, I have not watched that yet, but like it keeps on coming up on my list and everything. And again, also last night, we ate, we played trivia, and every question was, felt like it was about Craig of the Creek, and I have not seen that show yet, which is my problem and my fault. Like It seems like a great show. Can, we, I would can love we just take a moment to appreciate the fact that like Victoria has seen episodes of Craig of the Creek and you haven't somehow? <laughs> yeah, that, yes, I mean, I'm not feeling any better from that, but thank you. I, I'm I'm sorry that you thought the goal was to make you feel better. They are <laughs> bite size, and that's one of the things that they I are. like about them is that they are bite size, and they also like when you've had a long day at work, it is something that you don't have to like super duper engage with to still get the really usually cute, adorable, and moral point of the show. Um, and I really appreciate that. Well, question: Does it pull the like? Dope Cartoon Network show trend of like pulling at your heartstrings oh, yeah. out of nowhere. Absolutely. I mean, of, of okay, I'll prepare. I'll, I'll brace myself the for that. So, the parakeet has monologues. Okay. There's a parakeet. That's by a, the, the way. <laughs> you just said words to me. I don't know what that meant. Uh, okay, moving on. I have also not heard of the Sleeper Gym of an anime, but like now it's on my list because it sounds like something I would enjoy for sure. Um, oh, and also to backtrack too as well. 
um, Tokyo Revengers is one of those shows I haven't gotten to yet, but it keeps on showing up across my phone screen all the time, just as much as all the shows that I have watched like religiously over the years. So I probably need to get around to that soon. That's probably what I'm going to be doing because like I intentionally took off the week between holidays so I could just like lay on my couch and not do anything besides consume content. So all the HBO Max stuff is going to be in that list for sure. Um, and then with Shang-Chi Legend of the Ten Rings, I don't think I've talked about Shang-Chi on this podcast yet. Uh, oh, okay, let me think. Um, so just take it to the top. Um, absolutely enjoyed the movie for sure um like if i had to put it on the ranking of like all of my other other mcu movies i would probably put it like it might be number 11 so not quite top 10 but i enjoyed like i really really enjoyed it um reasonable i yeah like that's saying a lot given that they're like what 25 plus movies at this point like saying it's number 11 or 12 is like pretty respectable um yeah like it's top it's definitely top half right um and also, like, I don't even consider those movies to be bad until you get to the bottom five or so. So that's still saying a lot. Um, one of my biggest takeaways from the film is that, like, as charming as Samuel Lewis has been in all of his appearances in the film and also in interviews, I loved how great the supporting cast was in this movie. Like, in a, in a way, it felt like they didn't steal the shine away from him. When he wasn't around, they absolutely carried it. And that is outside of one character who I felt like they showed far too much of, and that character is Aquafina. And that was, like, but that's yeah. just, I won't go too deep in spoiler territory yeah. for that. But, like, still, love the movie. Like, that bus scene is one of my favorite so scenes it's ever. so good. It's so good. Yes. Like, I want to watch that. Someone put that on YouTube, please. Like, just watch that one scene over and over again. I think it is now that the movie's on Disney+. Plus. I'm pretty sure it's been ripped and placed online, so. That's what I need in my life. Victoria, take us away. Round out the first of our two-parter special edition episode. All right, all right. So... I cheat coded all of mine because did you really expect me not to? Also, I just, I I had a really hard time with this because it is really hard for me to keep track of hours, let alone days or weeks or months. This is a whole year. So I just kind of, I some of these, I don't know where they're at. I just know that they occurred. I don't know when they came out earlier. Before this podcast is when they came out, okay? So I'm just gonna put sometime them in 2021. Hopefully, hopefully all of them <laughs> are in 2021. I feel like they are. There definitely were some on here earlier that I took off when I was like, "Is this really 2021?" And then it was like 2018, and I was like, "Whoa, Victoria, you've oh, lost it." No. Lost in the I was going to jokingly say 2017, yeah. but we're close. Yeah, it's a lot. Anyway. Okay, so this is going to sound very like Victoria. Uh, My first category is food shows that are also history shows. So we know that I've got a thing for like baking, really any kind of food show, but particularly this year we had iterations and I think Taste the Nation came out before 2021, but there was a new season and there's also a Christmas season. So I'm counting it, okay? But specifically, Taste the Nation and High on the Hog were two food shows that came out in 2021, or versions of them came out in 2021, that the show, the actual episodes are more about the history of the food and the context and the people surrounding and making the food and the culture surrounding and making the food, rather than just 
let me make this thing and, and win $10,000, right? Which I really, really appreciated. Um, and these two especially were focusing on, so High on the Hog focuses on black culture and history and Taste the Nation is Padma Lakshmi's show where she goes around to a variety of different cultures. Uh, so there was one that, I mean, all of them made me cry, but one particularly was on, um, First Nations food in the Americas. And it was just so beautifully written, kind of gave me like Anthony Bourdain food journalism vibes, which I love. Um, and so, yeah, I really appreciated that kind of genre niche food genre that we got this year. Category two. Category two, completely different direction. Space games. Obviously, space games come out all the time. This year, we got a couple of things. We got uh, Halo Infinite, which has been postponed and postponed and postponed and postponed and postponed and is out. And I may be currently playing. Um, It is great. It is a weird thing to have a Halo game that is almost open world, but not actually open world. Uh, I'm interested to see what they're going to do with this to actually make it infinite. Um, There are some options, but I'm not quite sure where they're going with it. It feels like a Halo game. If you are a Halo person, you will probably like it. Uh, That grappling hook is amazing. That's one of the new things that you get. So uh, I love that. Uh, Elite Dangerous, not a new game, came out in 2014, however, (laughs) is now on Game Pass, so if you like flying ships actually in space, Elite Dangerous is a thing, or if you've played it on PC, but you're actually more of a console person, like myself, it is now on Xbox Game Pass, so that is a cool thing. And then my last one is XO1, which is, I, I saw it described as like a Marvel run game, but in space, which is pretty accurate. Uh, You are kind of a Metroid marble, and you can be a marble or you can be a frisbee, and you have to use your gravity drive to get you from place to place. And it's really kind of relaxing, and the graphics are beautiful, and it is out now on Xbox, and you can play it. And then finally, I just, I feel like we've been getting more and more of these things, but... This year, I felt like we had a lot of BIPOC media, uh, and I did not list everything. And some of these, you know, you can you can say that they fit in the genre or they don't, but I'm thinking of a lot of things really that fall under Disney because the mouse owns everything. But things like Encanto and Luca and uh, Night Raiders and Reservation Dogs. And so we've had a lot of media come out this year that are written or directed by and starring BIPOC folks, and that has been really awesome. All right. This is very on brand to be given like, just the history <laughs> of this show and your interests. I am not surprised, but I'm glad that we can lean all the way into that. Um, like while you were talking, I realized that I hadn't gotten around to High on the Hog yet. And when you first talked about it here, like I was like, that sounds perfect. So I just like literally like, opened up my phone, went to Netflix and like put it on the top of my list. So like I'm probably going to watch that in the next couple of weeks because that's right on my alley with the history aspect and all that, too. As far as space games go, like 
the most experience I've had with that in the past decade is probably when I played Destiny and I lasted five minutes in because I like turned a corner and some alien thing came out to try and kill me in tutorial and I was like, nope, I'm good. <laughs> Almost with my controller of the TV and broke both my TV and my controller. That was not a good day. Um, I've just recently taken a step back into um, open world gaming with Red Dead Redemption 2. So like the opposite of space games in that sense. I'll let Mikhail take us home on that one. Um, as far as the BIPOC media goes, Luca is a great movie that... I was talking to my about this earlier this week, actually. I feel like there's so much content out now. Like, when we were younger, like, when I was a kid, I feel like you used to see previews for a movie, like, a year, if not more, before it came out because they wanted to build up that anticipation. There wasn't that much stuff coming out. But now, they were just dropping movies, and you find out it came out, like, a week ago. And, like, oh, this is a new Disney movie. Like, it's not, like, breaking the world and stuff. And Luke was one of those where, like, I didn't even know it existed until it was, like, the weekend after I was hanging out with some folks, my girlfriend and her best friend, and we put it on, and, like, why are we both almost crying an hour later, right? Like, great movie. And also even greater if you, like, look at it and understand, like, what a lot of people who watched it take it to understand and be sort of an allegory for coming out and being part of the LGBTQ community and everything, which adds a whole different layer to that story, right? Um, and if you don't, it's still just a very wholesome story. And Reservation Dogs is a fantastic show. Like, I just enjoyed everything about that. Like, it was just, it was a, it was a breath of fresh air to see that and everything. I love I love food shows, although I very much squarely fall into competitive food shows, unlike unlike Victoria. Uh, School of Chocolate on Netflix was also really good and also surprisingly wholesome. So maybe that's where our cooking fascinations will meet. Um, I love them. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> I just talk about them all the time, so I figured I would highlight a different fair, spot of food shows. Fair, fair, fair. Um, as far as space games go, I have I have something planned for a future thing, so we will well, we'll put a pin on uh-huh, that. Uh-huh, um, uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, I know you would do it. <laughs> is water wet? Is the sky blue? Like I don't you know what know. you want. What do you think he's talking about? Okay, okay, focusing, focusing. Um, Keith, to, to your point, one, I do think that there are constant trailers of things everywhere because we get trailers of trailers of trailers and teasers of teasers of trailers of teasers. Like that hasn't gone away. <laughs> that that's still there. I do agree though that like Disney did not market Luca at all, and it was just it showed up on Disney Plus one weekend, and it was just like here is Luca, and here is this great story that is there, and just like okay, yeah. Cool. And it was fantastic, and I liked it better than Soul, honestly. Um, yeah, like, actually, same. Luca did a lot of good things. Um, Reservation Dogs, fantastic. It's on FX on Hulu, so check that out if you haven't. Uncanto uh, is probably the most recent of all of these things, and that just came out like last week. And I'm gonna wait for that to be on Disney Plus because I just went to the theater. So, um, but yeah, all all good stuff. Lots of lots of good representation this year, and like across the board, both in front of and behind the camera, and you you, you love to see it. And with that, we're gonna wrap this episode up because we got more things to do. And if you'd like to hear thoughts on these topics or anything else in nude news, feel free to tweet us at Black Nerd Problems with the hashtag TWINN. That was this year in nude news. Tune in next episode for more pop culture. And I am Mikkel Snyder. I'm Keith Wee Cleveland. And I'm Victoria Vertine. And we'll be back either very shortly or very distantly, depending on how time works. <laughs>